and welcome to day 26 of 30 Days of Terror. How you do? It's still hot, just to let you all know. It's very warm. That's that's a surmising of our current conversations in general at the moment. But I'm not down with all these people that are wishing autumn upon us. No, I, I, I actually have to say I agree. If you Don't be wishing bad to, weather too get, quickly. Yeah, if, you get autumn, if you get autumn and you're all happy about Halloween... No posting about how cold it is or being wet or miserable. I'm not having that. I'll be letting you know. <laughs> so I've got three stories for you today. Okay. Any picnics involved? Nope. Dom. Sorry. And story number one comes from David. To give a little background, I am an American expat living in the Ukraine with my wife and daughter. My wife is Ukrainian. And although we both live in Kiev, she's from a remote village near the Polish border. It's a tiny village, overflowing with a rich, sad history. It's deep in the woods, about 45 minutes from any major highway, and they just got a paved road last year. Some of the houses here are decrepit beyond anything you would believe, over a century old, sunken into the ground, rife with decay. And yet people still live in them. Other houses are big, beautiful and built only in recent years. And there are lots in between. It's a dying village that seems to get a little bit smaller every year. The young children who grow into adults here either stay and slowly drink themselves to death or tuck tail and run to the nearest big city as soon as age or opportunity can afford. But being so old and in the heart of Eastern Europe means that the people there have seen a lot. They saw the Second World War. They saw the Nazis coming through, the SS, and then the Soviet army at the end of the war. Then when things finally settled, it was a face-off between the partisan freedom fighters and the KGB, and it always seemed to be the civilian villagers who took the brunt of it all. So many things have happened to this little village, and as you might imagine, such accumulated history might leave quite a spiritual impression on the place. This piques my curiosity, and so I'm always asking my wife about the supernatural activities of the village. She's a bit averse to discussing it in general, because it totally creeps her out. But there are a few things I've gleaned. There is a strong belief among the locals in forest beings called Mavki, which are allegedly the embodiment of babies who died before being baptised. You don't go into the wheat fields alone in the summer, or they'll tickle you, and if you laugh, they'll kill you. There were witches in the village, think like shaman-type folks and soothsayers, whom people pay money for fortune-teller or to cast a hex on someone who crossed them. My wife and her family have actually had some interesting personal experiences with them, Amongst the old motorcycles, tanks and other artefacts of war that still get uncovered in the woods or within a lake or buried a few metres underground on occasion, there was recently discovered a mass grave on the outskirts of the village. There's a few haunted places in the woods and along the road in between villages where strange sightings have occurred or it suddenly becomes so cold that you can see your breath or cars will often just stop on their own and cease to work for a few minutes. 
The last point is relevant to the most unsettling story that she's told me. When my wife graduated from primary school into high school, she had to start travelling to the neighbouring village to attend classes. It was an 8 kilometer bike ride one way every day, rain or snow, through the forest. And the road took her and many other students and teachers directly through this creepy bit of darkness where these strange things tend to occur. My wife would generally pass through without incident, albeit holding her breath for those hundred or so metres. But one particular morning, she got to school and sat down with her classmates to wait for their teacher. And they waited, and waited, and waited, and she didn't show. This was highly unusual, as the teacher had a strong reputation for being very serious with her students. And just not showing up like this was extremely out of character. And so it was with this teacher the next day and the next day and for the remainder of the week. After a week the teacher came to school once again, more or less back to normal, but still not quite herself. She had the slightest impression of being frazzled, shaken by something as if she had just lived through one of her life's defining before and after moments. Whenever asked, she outright refused to say a word about her absence. As the rumours began to circulate, the students caught wind that indeed something had happened to her on the way home from school the night before her unexplained absence, but no one would breathe the detail. They just quickly changed the subject, call you an idiot for asking, Or say, no, we're not going to talk about it. And that was it. Life went on. And no one would talk about this strange week without Mrs S. But someone had to know. And it turns out that Mrs S confided in her co-teacher, who happened to be my wife's mother. Now keep in mind... In western Ukraine, the sun will set as early as 3.30pm on the shortest day of the year. So it's not unusual to be riding home from school in the dark, which is precisely what my wife had to do most of the academic year, as likewise did this teacher. Cars were not common in those early post-Soviet days, especially in a remote village such as this one. And so Mrs S faithfully rode her bike to and from work every day and night as required. On this particular night, she was cruising along the road and she came upon the haunted track. About halfway through, she suddenly felt a large weight come down and sink the rear of the bike, as though someone had suddenly sat down to hitch a ride on the rack above the rear wheel. Before she could even react... A cold, growling voice whispered in her ear, Don't turn around. I don't even know if it's worth writing any more than that. That was it, and it gives me the chills. I can only imagine how I would feel if I was caught in the same situation. I'd be paralysed with fear, and autopilot would keep those pedals moving for as long as they had to. As it happened with Mrs S, she did just that. She carried that nameless thing on the back of her bike until she recovered her senses enough to pray. I don't know what she prayed exactly, and maybe she had to say it a hundred times, but she just kept pedalling 
and just kept praying. And then as suddenly as it sat down, the weight lifted. Her bike returned to normal and I'm sure she made the rest of her way home in record time. I do not know how much of this story has been embellished over time or how many details have been tweaked until it morphed into a local legend. But there is one thing that everyone confirms without fail. Something happened that night which freaked out an otherwise very calm and very rational woman so totally and completely that she couldn't bring herself to even come back to work for an entire week thereafter. And this story was her explanation. To my knowledge, she never claimed to have had any kind of supernatural experience either before or after the incident. I would never use that road again. That would have been the end of my career. Do you know what that reminds me of? You know the story in Ghost <laughs> Stories? yeah. Where the, where the guys... Yeah. So if you haven't seen it, there's a bit in Ghost Stories where this young man is driving home and his car breaks down in the woods. That and it's yeah, we won't tell you because it's yeah, like obviously it's terrifying. Part of the plot, but that yeah, had made me absolutely terrifying. Think of the same thing. I like hearing a little story from another part of the world. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? And I love those little folklore tales as well. You know, like the Japanese ones are always yeah. a bit mad. Like yeah. that Ukrainian one of the babies in the wheat field is yeah. also a little bit mad. Um, yeah, and terrifying as well. Terrifying, yes. Because I mean, my experiences of wheat fields have been scratchy rather than tickly. So that made me laugh. They just made me irritated. But imagine like it just caught you in the right place. As someone that's quite ticklish, it just caught you in the right place and you laugh. That's it. You're dead. The babies are going to kill you. Yep. Oh, gosh. Your life and is over. Also, on a far more normal level, as in not paranormal, but normal, cycling to school eight kilometers one way every day through a dark, dark forest in a country that has a lot of snowfall in a term time that covers winter. I just can't imagine it. It's pretty impressive, isn't it's it? It's really impressive. But it's the lengths that people go to see, get an education always gets my kudos. And our second story today comes from Jess. I'm a big believer in the paranormal. However, I do try as much as possible to be logical when things happen to me. This is more often than not a self-preservation technique, so that I don't get too scared and work myself up too much. I solely mention this to emphasise that I have tried to figure out how these things happened, but I just can't. I want to tell you my story about something appearing and something disappearing in my house. I'll tell you about the mystery shirt first. My husband and I have lived together for maybe seven years or so now. He is in the trades for a living and not a guy who particularly loves to shop, especially for clothes. So over the past few years, I've basically started buying his clothes for him. I know his sizes and the kind of stuff he likes to wear. So if I know he needs something or I see something he would like, I get it for him. It's a win-win situation as he doesn't have to go shopping And I, as someone who loves to shop, get to buy things. I say all that because it makes the mystery shirt very much a mystery. One day, maybe two years ago, I was putting away laundry and hanging up some work shirts in my husband's closet. It was then that I noticed a shirt I'd never seen him wear before. It was a grey, button-up, collared shirt 
from a store I buy him things from often. It still had the tags on it and very much looked like it had never been worn. I knew I hadn't bought it for him, so I wondered when or why he bought it for himself. As I say, he is in the trades and doesn't get dressed up all that often. I didn't think anything of it and just thought I'd ask him about it later. A little while later, I mentioned the shirt to him and asked when he bought it for himself. He looked at me and he said, What shirt? I said, The grey dress shirt with the tags on it. I like it. It's nice. He responds that he has no idea what shirt I'm talking about. I go to get the shirt from his closet to show him and he says he's never seen it before in his life. My husband is a joker sometimes, so I'm assuming that he's pulling my leg. So I say something like, oh yeah, very funny. And he says very seriously that he has no idea where it came from. I made a call to his mom to see if maybe she had dropped it off for him. It was a long shot, but that was the only thing we could think of. He called her. She had no idea what we were talking about. That shirt stayed in his closet for a few years. Eventually he was cleaning it out and asked me what he should do with it. He never wore it because it kind of creeped him out a bit, I think. It was in great condition and still had the tags, so I ended up taking it to the store and getting store credit for it. My other story is essentially the opposite of this. We were renovating a bathroom in our house and we were getting close to finishing stages. So my husband asked me to pick out the finished items that I wanted and go and buy them like toilet paper, roll holder, towel rod, shower curtain, that sort of thing. So I did just that. I went out and bought everything and brought it home. I put everything into our spare room that was beside the bathroom as my husband was keeping a lot of his tools he was using in there and thought it would be easy for him to get those things when he needed to install them. So a week or two goes by and my husband asks where the shower curtain rod is that I bought. I told him it was in the spare room with everything else. He, of course, replied that it wasn't. I thought it was a case of my husband looking for something, if you know what I mean. So I went into the room and looked myself. I, of course, couldn't find it anywhere. I looked all over that room and it was nowhere to be found. I checked my trunk, our basement, our garage, our shed, nothing. I know I bought that shower curtain rod. I remember it being awkward to fit in the trunk of the car. My husband remembers it coming into the house too because he commented that it was a good idea to get a rust-proof rod. But neither of us could find it anywhere. And I had to end up going and buying another one. Still, to this day, we have no idea where it went. Firstly, I love this story because it's very different from a lot of other stories that we've had, which is cool. Secondly, I've solved this. It's very clearly a ghost that has either has a crush on her husband or is a fashion designer or a wannabe fashion designer has gone out, purchased this shirt for the husband as in a, he would look good in this, left it there expecting you to go, oh nice, a free shirt. You both said how much you liked it. Ghost was like, quid's in, excellent. I'm going to get to look at this lovely man in this smart grey dress shirt. And then... Because you took it back, you offended the ghost and therefore the ghost has taken your shower rod back for you as a revenge. That's that's the answer. 
I have to say I agree. That's exactly what's happened. You've got a fashion conscious, home decor conscious revenge ghost. Yeah, who you who you've annoyed, and that's why that's why you couldn't find the shower and rod. Yep. All you had to do was take the tags off that shirt, leave it in the cupboard, occasionally get your husband to wear it so the ghost could have a perv. And that's it. And that, the shower rod fiasco shower could have been would avoided. Never have happened. Also, I like the little comment about your husband having a look. <laughs> which and I, look looking was in inverted commas. Because which, I do that all the time. <laughs> my look is very different. <laughs> I also do that though. What was it that I lost that day? My shoes. <laughs> I lost my shoes. I spent about an hour looking for my shoes. Genuinely, I'm not even exaggerating. I did spend about an hour looking for them, those? and they were on the kitchen floor. Yep. <laughs> Our kitchen is about the size of a Literally box. Literally, the first place I looked, I saw them. Yeah, so, so I think I'm the shoes. husband in this <laughs> scenario. Forgot about that. And our final story today comes from Sarah. My husband and I moved into our first apartment a few years ago in a small town in southern Kentucky. I work at the same apartment complex and they allowed us to tear down a wall and make a large four-bedroom apartment out of two two-bedroom apartments so that it would be large enough for our blended family. After getting settled into our new routine, events began happening that we are unable to explain. Most of our time as a family was spent together in the main living room of the front apartment. My son, who was one and a half at the time, was, as all toddlers are, all over the place getting into everything. We would be playing with toys such as cars or a bouncy ball and one would inadvertently slip down the hole. We typically did not keep the light on in the hall when it wasn't being used and my son would refuse to go and get the toy. What kid wants to go down a long dark hallway? Not many, so I didn't think much of it. Until one night, he began to point down the hall and say, They're coming. We would try and ask him who was coming and he would say, The people. We tried our best to get more details out of him, but for a toddler, that's the best we could get. This continued pretty consistently over the next several months. And then it wasn't just the hole. If a toy went under the coffee table, even at the edge of it, he wouldn't go near it. And he would say the same thing. They're coming. On many nights after the kids were all asleep, my husband would always beat me to the bathroom to get ready for bed. He would be taking his contacts out and always lock the door behind him as a habit. So like clockwork, I would need to pee and I would walk down the hall and try to walk into the bathroom but it would be locked. I would jiggle the knob and the next thing I would hear would be, What? Coming from my husband pretending to be irritated and it became an ongoing joke between us. One night the kids were all in bed and I was in our bed with our cat watching TV. Out of nowhere I hear, What? The next thing I knew, my husband was rounding the corner in a speed walk straight into our room to ask if that was me at the bathroom door. I told him that the cat and I had been in the bed the whole time. He said the doorknob to the bathroom had jiggled and he had heard footsteps walking away. He assumed it was me, but when he opened the door, there was nobody there. There was no way I could have gotten from the bathroom to our bed that fast. And let's be honest, I would have been out of breath and it would have been obvious that I had just run and jumped into the bed. We immediately went and checked to see if the kids were sleeping, assuming it had been one of them, 
and each and every one of them was snoozing. They hadn't moved an inch from when I did my nightly check on them earlier. We were shaken, but I just tried to put it out of my mind and went and tucked myself back into bed where I thought it was safe. We did have a second bathroom in the back apartment, but my eldest daughter, who was 12 at the time, had taken it over and we didn't really like to use it. Turns out she didn't either. There were many nights where she was so afraid of being in the bathroom alone that I would have to sit in the bathroom and play on my phone until she was done in the shower. It was frustrating for me, and any time I asked why she was so scared of the bathroom, she would tell us that she felt like she was being watched and she wasn't alone. She finally got to the point where she would shower without me being in there. One night, after the other kids were tucked away into bed, my husband and I were in bed watching TV with the cat as we did every night, and my eldest daughter was in the bathroom showering. All of a sudden, we heard her say, What? My husband and I looked at each other with wide eyes because we knew there was no way anyone could be back there. They would have had to walk past our room and we would have seen them. I jumped out of bed, walked down the hall to the bathroom and knocked on the door. Again, my daughter says, what? And I answered back, who are you saying what to a minute ago? She replied, well, whoever knocked on the door? Knowing full well that no one had knocked on the door and that the cat had been in bed with us, I blamed it on the cat anyway so as not to frighten her and went back to bed under the covers where I thought I was safe. It was night and the kids were all asleep. My husband and I took advantage of the moment and were feeling romantic in a kind of way. Wink, wink. On this particular night, we had left a lamp on While we were getting down, I noticed something dark in the corner of my eye lurking in the corner of our room, where the ceiling meets the wall. I look over and notice it as well in our full-length mirror that we had in our room. It was such a blur, and it all happened so fast, that I can't tell you what it was. I shut my eyes instantly because not knowing what the dark shadow was, was way better than knowing at that particular moment. Afterwards, it wasn't there. All I know is that there's never been a shadow in that corner before, and there wasn't again after that night. But from that point on, I always felt very wary of that corner and kept an eye on it in our full-length mirror should the shadow return. The last thing happened in the month leading up to us moving into our house. My husband got home from work a few minutes before I do, and I knew as soon as I walked into the door that something had happened. My son had left a toy monster school bus on our dining room table laying on its side. My husband walked into the apartment, walked past the dining room table, headed to our room, and one of the school bus wheels was spinning. It was only one wheel, and it was spinning fast. My husband stood there for a minute to watch it. It didn't make any sense as to why it was spinning. There was nothing that would have caused it to spin so rapidly out of nowhere. I suppose the cat could have done it, but she is fat and lazy and seems to care less about such things and was asleep on the couch as usual. So we continued to watch the wheel spin, and all of a sudden the wheel stops. It didn't slow to a stop, it didn't gradually stop, it just stopped. 
I walked in with the kids at that moment and he was standing there looking like he'd seen a ghost. He waited until the kids had left the room and told me what had just happened. Now, like I said, I work at this particular apartment complex and while we have had residents die in apartments, there was nothing in mine or the property manager's knowledge that had ever happened in those two apartments. And then it hit me. The land that the complex was built on once belonged to the antebellum plantation house on the property neighbouring hours. This house had been used as a temporary hospital during the Civil War. Could it have been soldiers who had died haunting us in our apartment? We made it out only slightly traumatised and are now living in a 105-year-old house. No ghost sightings yet. There is a jar of old letters found in the house that I'm terrified to open lest it will anger any dormant spirits residing here. I will update you if any of them make themselves known. This is not 100% relevant to the story, but you nearly lost me completely at the end there because I misheard a jar of letters as a jar of lettuce. And I was like, Why, is jarred lettuce a thing in America? Like, can you get lettuce in a jar? And then I realised what you'd said. Letters. So, letters. Um, I literally heard the scariest thing I could have heard in the opening part of that story when the little boy was continuously saying, over a period of seven months, they're coming, the people Oh yeah, you'd you'd be shitting yourself. I'd be left. like, "What's coming? The purge? <laughs> like what? What is it?" Maybe he's really, really into Christmas, and it was just maybe just the build up to Christmas, and actually, it's Santa. Santa is coming, or holidays are coming. Oh, it's Coca Cola. <laughs> Other brands of soft drink are available. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's that is creepy as, and what is. It's another story with a ghost watching people having sex. I'm presuming that's what they were alluding to. I mean, she wrote wink, wink. I didn't add that in. So okay. I'm presuming yeah. they were also having sex unless they were having a winking competition, which which was not something I was aware of as being a thing. No. And <laughs> I don't know if it was me in that situation and a ghost was watching me having sex. Us <laughs> <was> having sex. <laughs> me having sex with myself <laughs> <laughs> if a ghost was watching us having sex and I clocked it and then it never came back I don't know whether I'd be scared disappointed or confused I think I'd be offended yeah. <laughs> to be honest if you're going to be a perv be a consistent perv that's the second time I said perv said perv, so yeah well, you're it? you're just <laughs> living that perv life <laughs> but yeah I don't I don't want anything rattling the doors in the bathroom or any of that nonsense going on, please. I'm quite intrigued by the rattling door phenom- phenomenon. Phen- why, why did I choose to say a word I can't say? Phenomenon. Um, because it seems to be quite common. Now, when I... And I'm thinking about this in a human context. When I go to a door and it's locked, if I turn the handle or I pull down the handle once and it's locked, I don't jiggle it. So what is the jiggling about? Who jiggles the handle when they can't get into a door? Ghosts. I think it's only ghosts. So therefore, if you see a jiggling door handle when you're in something, it's a ghost or it's your friend that listens to this podcast pranking you. That too. 
So if you enjoyed today's episode, you can find all of the information you need to know about us on reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com where you will find the link to our Patreon, where for $5 or $2 a month, you get heaps of extra content. You will find the email address to send in your own story. You will find the link to all of our social medias. Please make sure that you donate to Out of the Woods Wildlife Rescue and Rehabilitation if you are in a financial situation to be able to do so. And on that note, we shall see you tomorrow. Bye.